United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to United States of Lead, a podcast about crime, mental decline, and the lead thread that links them. We introduced the topic of lead ammunition last week and how it affects our ecosystem and the way hunters and families can unfortunately be exposed to lead. This week, we're going to continue taking a look at lead ammunition and focus on fire ranges and shoot houses. As Sarah Zhang reports from Mother Jones in 2013, quote, a recent report from the National Academy of Sciences found that OSHA lead exposure standards are too lax to protect military firing range employees. Repeated exposure to toxic metal causes a raft of health problems, including brain damage, high blood pressure, and anemia. Lead is found in bullets as well as the explosive that ignites gunpowder. When a bullet is fired, it gets so hot that lead actually vaporizes. Firing range employees breathe in the lead fumes as well as ingest lead dust that settles on their body and clothes. OSHA sets the permissible level of atmospheric lead at 50 micrograms per meter, but the report found that level frequently exceeded at military firing ranges, sometimes by several orders of magnitude, end quote. Now, again, we're not scientists and we don't know like the whole ratio of measuring this, but that sounds kind of high, doesn't it? I don't know how to, I haven't wrapped my head around this and I didn't tell you, uh, actually I next week will be getting OSHA certified for lead. Um, what? Yeah. For my day job, just helping people find work. I learned more about different ways of being employed. And this is one of the things that I have to learn more about. So dude, can we have yeah, a separate so have, podcast? Where we talk we'll, about I'll, it? I'll, I'll uh, report back and, uh, not that I'll be an expert, but that I'll have no, just what the, you learn. The, the notion is like you're more aware of finding finding concerns and then reporting them. I don't know anything about this yet. I'm not trying to wear that hat. But what I don't understand when I read this is the 50 micrograms a meter. So is that a cubic meter or is it within the soil? Like I didn't quite understand that. But then the well, other thing is... Well, if it says atmospheric, is, I feel mm-hmm. like it, it's like it, it has to it be... It has to be a cubic meter. Yeah. But then the other thing, I could imagine an increase in that or a concentration rather if like the wind is picking up or if you're outside and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if I was downwind and there was a lot of lead in the atmosphere, 
is that all going to some person in a box that's that is being trapped in there if you're working if you're working the targets is it concentrating somewhere like i well and a, so a lot of it has to do with ventilation like it's the same oh, with sure, the school absolutely. you know what i absolutely. mean like it's whether or not you have the proper tools like all these excuses though like which there's no safe amount stop fucking using it you know what i mean there's all like well if we just build this and do this and get these fans in here how about you just stop fucking using it right and that's the that's the <laughs> But I'm so glad that you told me that about your OSHA because this is going to really probably fucking shock you. And I, if you ask them, I would love it if you did. So we've talked before how it can be very misleading putting all of our trust into supposed regulations taking place regarding lead, as we had seen with the baby foods levels of lead and when they do the testing, this and that. So here's another reason for that mistrust that was reported by Zane, quote, the new report also finds OSHA's blood lead level recommendation of 40 micrograms per deciliter or lower to be too high. That limit hasn't changed since 1978, but subsequent research has found health problems at blood lead levels as low as 5 micrograms per deciliter. Lead is so damaging it mimics calcium, an ion with essential roles everywhere in the body from bones to nerve cells. It's especially dangerous for children with developing brains, which is why you hear so much about lead paint. The report devotes more than 70 pages to detailing lead's many toxic effects in nearly every organ in the body, including the brain, blood, kidneys, heart, and reproductive organs, end quote. 40 micrograms per deciliter OSHA has as acceptable. Wow. And remember, we talked in, I think, episode one, how 40 is where you actually get that super serious reduction therapy. Yeah, this is all this uh, living living life through loopholes. Um, I'm sure at some <laughs> yes, oh, that's I'm a sure, good living life through loopholes. I like that. That is the strategy of corporate America, and it's the strategy that is taxing every aspect of our humanity. And it's it. And what was it before 1978? Sure, it Holy was shit. like. They didn't just throw that out there. This was where they settled, right? Mm -hmm. So someone said, uh, some lobbyist somewhere said yeah. 40 or. There's uh, no way we can there's continue. There's no way to we can do 20. Yeah. We can't do 20. It's impossible. We can do 80. And then they said, we're not letting you do 80. And they <laughs> we're said, not letting you kill people on the spot. <laughs> yeah. And then somehow, some way, they arrived at 40. It can be lethal for a child at 40 micrograms. And I know that I'm not trying to be cynical. I know that there had to have been some kind of negotiation or some kind of discussion because, as you just said, there is no safe level. So mm -hmm. if there was, if they were really just going on the rigorous science, mm -hmm. you'd be like, yeah, okay, well, let's get rid of the lead. They had mm -hmm. some kind of negotiation. And again, this is for adults at firing ranges. Yeah. We've got kids going there now as a pastime. And as a political statement, as a yes, statement of, of personal which, and, and I'm just say racial identity. And we're going to get to that in a future episode. I want us to get some other episodes out first, but we're definitely going to be discussing more lead-blooded Americans on this podcast. Zane goes on to say, quote, how can firing range workers reduce their exposure? The most direct solution is switching to lead-free ammunition, or at least jacketed bullets, which have lead core covered with a coating made of copper or nylon. 
Lead has been traditionally favored because of its density, but the military has since developed lead-free ammunition that reportedly works just as well, end quote. Okay, can we stop suggesting ways to use lead? We can switch to lead-free or we can put all this shit around it and like try and like, you know, suppress it. But then again, hi, it still goes into whatever it's going into. It goes into the ground, it goes into the water, stop fucking using it. I'm just so tired of these ways to continue to use it. Oh, and we know how toxic it is. (laughs) I ate bread before I started drinking. I I drank water between shots. Uh, You know, it's like (laughs) I didn't drink whiskey last night. I only drank tequila. So I don't know why I keep getting hung over and making horrible (laughs) life decisions. Maybe you should just stop drinking. It's like we're completely addicted to this. Well, and I, I think more so the companies who use it are addicted to their profits. 1,000%. (laughs) And here's some other interesting information that this Mother Jones article states, quote, if OSHA adopts more stringent standards, it would be just another step in the long incremental march toward recognizing lead's dangers. Over the past several decades, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has lowered blood lead levels of concern in children from 60 micrograms per deciliter to 25 to 10, and it's current 5, and as we already mentioned, they're thinking about doing it to 3.5. And the metal has largely vanished from gasoline, water pipes, tin cans, and paint, end quote. But LOL, as we will be <laughs> discussing in a future episode, tin cans, not so much. So we were just talking about this negotiation, and maybe yeah. this negotiation takes place over several administrations and several decades. Yeah. And like they're pointing out, it is incremental, and it's a non-zero number. Um, mm-hmm. And this would make more sense if it's bartering it was, with people's lives. <laughs> it, so that's what's really scary is that we have to like this policy we have to put on our this gallows policy hat where we are able to quantify and value a life at a certain level. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of lead that's worth a certain amount of human life. How did they come up with that? And yeah. I remember that's a real question. How did they come yeah. up with it? Yeah, and that level is so dangerously high as their acceptable level. That's the scary thing is lead isn't, you know, like you you have the flu and you have these like five symptoms. And with lead, the amount of symptoms, right? it just spans. And that's another interesting thing that we're going to get to is why is it affecting certain people different ways? Again, there are people out there riding on misinformation that lead bullets are safe and there's nothing to worry about, like we saw on uh, some comments on our TikTok, and that people who are against hunting or against guns in general are just trying to spread a conspiracy, which sounds familiar with public health concerns. Well, even the military knows there's a lead problem, according to this Mother Jones article. Quote, the military has been cleaning up some 700 of its shooting ranges, and while that's not cheap, In Kevin Drum's America's Real Criminal Element Lead, they say it makes a compelling case that it's far less expensive than the costs that come with lead exposure, including violent crime, lower IQs, and ADHD, end quote. I think, too, like how laxed some regulations have become, and not just in this industry, but everywhere. Any industry where there's certain protocols, like you you always skirt, I don't feel like cleaning that. Let's just, you know what I mean? Like there's always something like that. And with this and certain events in the news, 
especially related to that, including violent crime, it seems like maybe we should be taking these regulations a little seriously. I don't know. And Paul, I remember you saying in last week's episode in regards to our relationship as Americans with guns and bullets is that we know that there's a gun and it shoots. And then that's the end of the story for a lot of us. Like there, what else is there? And I don't sure. feel like a, a lot of people know the logistics of shooting a bullet. And so going back to that amazing article we discussed last week by Lynn Peoples from 2017, where she interviews a couple biologists in Oregon studying lead ammunition, quote, while the first bullet made entirely, oh, this is also a study where they're comparing lead and copper bullets. I should preface with that. Quote, while the first bullet made entirely of copper retained 99% of its original weight, the second bullet comprised of lead broke into pieces, losing a quarter of its weight when it hit the jugs. The biologists say, quote, we never discuss what happens to that other 20 to 30% of the lead bullet. Where does that end up? End quote. And so yeah. I'm going to share our screen because having visuals always helps. And if you support on Patreon at the tier for video episodes, you can see this too. Or you can always just go to our sources because they'll be there too. Here we go. All right. So right here, the one on the left is the lead bullet. The one on the right is the copper bullet. Yeah. Look at that difference. Yeah. I mean, you know, one is, is this smooshed bullet it looks mm -hmm. like a bullet you'd see in like you know csi miami or something it's there but you probably think creating. a bullet yeah and the other one is a bullet it's just in thousands of tiny particles and, mm -hmm. and that surrounded by this one kind of smooshed mushroom looking thing yep. um so all of those fragments would just be peppered in in the deer's flesh or the you know the person who was shot or it hits the tree and the rest of that the goes into the ground and then of course at the firing range this is it might hit a berm or it might hit hits uh hits uh, some sand but that's fragmenting and it's going turns into, into the dust, air, turns goes into on dust. Your clothes, absolutely you bring it home yeah yeah so that's again like your no idea. your idea no and why would you and why that's would you think even people going to the gun range why would you ever think of this what i'm worried about i don't know this but what i'm worried about is the other picture the far right and it mm -hmm. shows the bullet going into the ballistic gel one of the rounds goes it pierces the body and it rips through the flesh like in a straight line mm -hmm. and then the other one has this shotgun effect it's a smaller effect but it's spreading that ballistic gel it's causing more damage for the people that do know about this but continue to use lead shot mm -hmm. is it because they want to do more damage like it just sounds really frightening like yeah. that's like it's not enough just to pierce something from hundreds of feet away it's mm -hmm. uh, it's it's like we need to do that and then really tear it up yeah it's de-evolution of what a bullet is meant to do almost because if it was just for hunting you've ruined yeah that area like so and that's and what it, i'm saying like hunters if hunters knew this information the ones especially you know who are eating and there's even a hunter in this article who's like mm -hmm. now that i know that like he has a, a pregnant wife and daughter and he's like it was a no-brainer that i switched to copper bullets because they yeah. live off the land yeah like we said you only know what you know and there's a reason why we don't know these things, which we will get to. 
So again, that can give some insight into why people just aren't seeing the connection between lead exposure and lead ammunition. We don't discuss, or most of us don't even know about that 20 to 30% of lead that is released from the bullet. Mm-hmm. Peoples goes on to say, quote, as with other public health and environmental threats from smoking to climate change, many people remain unconvinced that risks from lead ammunition are real. And the firearms industry has played an outsized role in sowing doubt about the science. The greater threat, they argue, is to Americans' freedom to hunt and own firearms, and the industry spends lavishly to peddle that viewpoint, unquote. And we brushed on this a little bit last week. We're going to get to it in our Lead-Blooded American episode. But like I just said, there's a reason you're not hearing about this. There's a reason why all you see on your social media is a trial going on between two celebrities and not really crucial things that we should be knowing about. So something that popped in my head while I was doing this research and was reading this article is how obvious of a public health crisis this is when you actually look at the research and you listen to the experts and the scientists who have studied this. And I can't help but think about the great cigarette ban in America. We adapted to it, whether we liked it or not. And I will say I was a smoker when the ban came out, living in the Midwest and it fucking sucks stepping outside and the dead of winter to have a cigarette. Yeah, but like you got used to it. I mean, obviously there were going to be people who were like, fuck that, this is my right to you know, smoke a cigarette wherever the fuck I want. And like in small towns, I know there's still bars where people smoke cigarettes. But I feel like the majority of people when that cigarette ban happened, believe the science, believe the experts in how bad cigarettes were. They had the weight of institutions and the government backing them. It was a concentrated and concerted effort to implement this policy. We got people used to it. At this time, we're going to do this. And then after so many days, we're going to do this. And then people tried to push back. Do you remember the the playwright law or like the playhouse law? The exception was like you could smoke if it was in a performance. Oh, so oh, yeah, some, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> so so some bars to, yeah. that like we're just going to have the we're, we're having a play tonight. Loophole. Tuesday at three <laughs> or Tuesday at 630 from 630 to, to, to close. Living through loopholes. We're doing a play. It's a, it's a, a, what is it? It's performance art and the art, it's called bar. So you can just smoke in, and everyone who comes is a performer. Yeah. Uh, But that didn't catch. Like it didn't, it didn't work. People wanted to. It was so obviously trying to skirt around the law. Right. Right. We can make that connection. Like we say, there's a playbook. We've seen it with COVID. Now, now that we're unearthing this stuff, we see it with lead ammunition. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get to more of that in an upcoming episode where we explore lead ammunition in the media and like, oh boy, <laughs> and this article especially, and a few others have some really in- interesting information on that. And like I said, this article is in our sources. Please, it's, it's a lengthy article, but my God, worth a read. Shout out Lynn Peoples, wherever you are. So as Brian Bedrosian shared with Lynn Peoples in this article, quote, the vast majority of people don't even know about or think about it as an issue. But once you learn about it, it makes sense. Of course, you shouldn't be using lead, end quote. And so like even with people that I talk about who have listened to this podcast, it's like, I never knew about that. I never thought about that. Like, yeah, why would you? I didn't either until Ruby's lead level was over the limit. 
And yeah. I'm like, well, how the fuck can that be? I did all the things they told me to do. I made sure she doesn't her toys. Eat paint. Yeah, she doesn't eat paint. She was in no other care than my own. Uh, I cleaned the house religiously. I made all of her baby food from scratch. I bought bottled water, made sure the toys were from a reputable source that, you know, who knows, but she didn't really even put toys in her mouth. (laughs) And this shouldn't fall on you. It should not. And exactly, but it does. Yeah. Every, well, this is what you can do to, it's all on you. Why didn't you know more about the water that you were using? It's like, no, 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 no. Why How am come I being there's exceptions for that? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Why am I being sold this? So we really, as consumers, have to, we got to band together and, and push back on that. No, fuck you. Why are you selling me poison? Yeah. No, fuck you. Why are you allowing me to live in poison? Yeah. Ugh. So article goes on to say, quote, Depending on the type of gun used, the heavy metal can be released through the fragmentation or vaporization of the bullet and from the lead used as the primer or propellant. Experts agree that these risks can be controlled with proper ventilation along with precautions. After using an indoor-outdoor range, for example, workers and customers should wash their hands thoroughly with soap and cold water because warm water can actually open up the pores for more absorption of lead, which did not know. And when returning home from the range, they should immediately remove their shoes and clothing and wash their hair. Problem is, things can go wrong with tragic consequences. As the Seattle Times highlighted in their series, Loaded with Lead, sometimes range owners disregard certain rules and regulations. Other times, ignorance or simply bad luck is to blame for toxic exposures, end quote. So again, there's always this proper way of limiting your exposure to lead. But leaving that up to the individual, making it a responsibility for the majority of people who are clueless to the effects of lead just doesn't seem like the pro to keep it in our society compared to all of the cons and all the physical and psychological issues that come from it. Not just for humans, but for wildlife as well, we know. You can do all these things. Yeah. Again, putting on the consumer, putting it on the gun range. And, you know, yeah, should they be doing it? But like, if there's nobody checking and if their limit is 40 micrograms per person, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm blown away by all this. I just can't believe. I mean, but again, when we look at the ripple effects of lead and we look at our society, starting to make a lot of sense. And lead exposure from firing ranges isn't just a concern for the general public. It's highly alarming for police and military, as Lynn Peoples points out in her article, quote, health experts express great concern for members of the military and law enforcement who probably spend more time than anyone at gun ranges. The U.S. Department of Defense stated that while it has fully converted 5.56 millimeter war reserve cartridges, which are fired from M16 rifles to lead free, their training rounds remain a mix of lead and non-lead. The military says, quote, the U.S. Army Operations Office, which is G3, is tracking that and ensuring that there is a timeline and flow that allows us to transition as soon as possible, the DOD said in a statement, end quote. And the article says that the FBI also continues to use only lead bullets in training, which is noted by Kurt Crawford of the FBI Academy. In special situations, such as a pregnant agent, the Bureau does allow a reduced lead propellant. Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> we'll allow it. You have diet poison. Yes, we'll, we'll allow it. Like, it's like this, like, 
Great that exception. Why can't they use? <laughs> it's just fucked up. So other range regulars at risk include the nation's hundreds of thousands of police officers, noted Howard Milkey, an expert in lead poisoning at Tulane University School of Medicine. Tulane, Tulane. No, nope, Tulane. Yeah. Tulane. Okay. Howard says, quote, I can just imagine that some of the people in law enforcement are really conscientious about making sure they are good at handling a firearm. And so he said, suggesting this translate to a lot of time at the firing range, quote, and that could severely expose them to lead to the point that it may trigger them to get very nervous rather than relaxed and calm in a setting where they feel threatened, end quote. Now combine that with systematic racism and we got a bit of a problem here, don't we? I've never made this connection. And again, absolutely no excuses for anyone who does any harm to another individual unprovoked. Somebody who suffers from alcoholism gets in a car drunk and hits somebody, they're still responsible. Do we need to discuss the crisis of alcohol addiction? Yes, but that person still did what they did. What are these protocols? Okay, a person's level can be 40 micrograms in their system. And you see the effects at five, which we know, again, too, you can see it even lower. Your risk of heart attack and stroke is increased by even two micrograms per deciliter in your system. But 40 is acceptable at these firing ranges. If the military is moving from it, you know they know. Looking at all of this, this is an equation. Like they have said... You know, we can transition this as soon as possible, as soon as feasible. And this also reminds me of addictive behavior of like, well, I can't just throw away these three packs of cigarettes I just bought. Yeah, I have to use them. Like, that's a waste. I'll I'll quit after I, I mean, I have this desire to quit. I know I need to quit. I'm going to stop quitting. I'm going to stop. I need to do it for my family. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm wasting too much money. But I did just buy this carton of cigarettes. I'll mm-hmm. quit after that. I don't want to waste all yeah. this money. Um, oh, I got this coupon in the mail too, and it's twenty dollars off. I mean, I saw these camel cash, and uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get that jacket one day. <laughs> also dating us, and uh, <laughs> so they're saying, all right, the rounds that we use for war, which you, we're, we're not firing as many rounds, you know in war the, the fbi is saying are non-training rounds so they're not going around shooting people every month every year like that's not a whole lot of rounds mm-hmm. that are in the field but in mm-hmm. training they sh- they're probably doing regularly right those all are leaded that and that's the concentrated ones that's the ones they're doing indoors that's the ones that are. someone somewhere is saying it costs too much to protect the lives of our people it just costs too much. We can't throw away that money. We'd rather yeah. throw away their years. And that's the military and the FBI. There's no mention of police officers right. using non-leaded bullets in the field. And again, people who have this obsession with guns and using them, they're going to the firing ranges more than they need to. You know, yeah. you have to go like six hours a week, but Joe Schmo's going 12 hours a week because he just fucking loves shooting a gun. And then he's going somewhere where it's not ventilated. It's not cleaned properly. He's not taking his clothes off when he gets home and showering immediately. He's not washing his hands with cold water and soap as soon as he's done. Mm-hmm. Again, all of it falling on us instead of just not using yeah. this highly toxic 
substance with serious, dangerous physical and psychological effects. Lynn goes on to say, and again, this article is from 2017, in case anybody didn't reference that quote, it would be interesting what protocols have been in place, if any, have been reduced, or if certain ranges simply thought it was a waste of time and stopped doing it. And what's shocking is it doesn't take much for your lead levels to be elevated at a firing range, end quote. So like we were talking about, like people get laxed with these, pro- like, ah, like, what the fuck is the point of me doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, what's this ventilation system that they tell me I need? I'm not going to fucking do that, you know? And if, if somebody's not checking and saying, no, you need that or ah, whatever, or I'm not going to clean, I'm not going to, you know, vacuum and, and clean this and then take off my clothes when I get home and put them in the wash and wash with cold, you know, it's just too much. I just want to shoot my fucking gun. Yeah. Like that's like how, you know, people want to live their lives. And again, it's kind of like that, like, you know, like the child mentality. Why do I have to brush my teeth? Because your teeth are going to rot. You know, things like that where you have to train people to, or even washing your hands. Like, for the love of God, I can't believe how many people don't wash their fucking hands. Well, they're doing it because they want to prove that they're a clean person. The resistance is, it's a purity test. I'm going to be clean by proving that dirty is... Is clean? Is acceptable. Uh, It's all just so, so much. Anyways, quote... Studies published in 2009 and 2016 suggest that lead exposure from shooting may decrease verbal memory and increase the frequency of neuropsychiatric symptoms. Inhaling lead particles at a shooting range can raise a person's blood levels very quickly, added one of the experts who was interviewed. And as Lynn Peoples points out, quote, that's just what happened to Amy Crawford in 2008 while training as a law enforcement officer in Kirkland, Washington. The ventilation system at an outdoor firing range failed. Her squad continued shooting. Amy says, quote, I couldn't see an arm's length in front of me, she recalled. But we were just using the haze like a tool. Like if you can't see in real life, how do you address the situation, end quote. Crawford and her colleagues had not been taught about lead and its dangers. They coughed and and itched their eyes through the training, then woke up the next day with flu-like symptoms and a metallic taste in their mouths. When the officers went in for testing, Crawford's blood lead level came back the highest at 33 micrograms per deciliter. While Crawford says she feels fine today, she worries about the future. She says, quote, I don't know what the repercussions are going to be, she said. Obviously, I'm worried about having children, end quote. And Amy Crawford is obviously not the only police officer to be exposed to such high levels. These symptoms are so wide ranging. And it's not like clearly they got highly exposed that they had flu-like symptoms the next day. But like we said, lead is a snowball effect. It accumulates in your body. And these effects are so wide ranging, it's hard to pinpoint where they're coming from. Nausea, high blood pressure, irritability, anger, ADHD. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's overwhelmingly obvious that we shouldn't have this in our society. So what would it mean if police were mandatorily checked for lead? Tested? Or tested for lead. Like, what would that mean? One of the points, one of the demands of the Black Lives Matter movement, Black Lives Matter movement, is that uh, the job of a police is diversified. This should be something that's supported by every police union in the world. We need more protection for police. They need to do less work so that there's less things 
so that they're able to focus on really specific things. They can't be social worker. Yeah, there are people who specialize in those areas who right. should be paid well. I do not want my dentist to work on my mouth after being verbally threatened. I have a, a sidearm like that's. Or I don't want my dentist working on fixing my broken toe. Sure, that too. But there's pushback and there's pushback because they say like, oh, they don't say this, but I think they want to hold on to their power. They want to hold on to, they don't want anyone to take anything away from them, even if their lives would get better. Mm -hmm. And this is something where we're saying this would protect you. If you had regular lead level testing, Testing. that would be be protecting the safety. Yourself. Yes. And your family. And and your family and and society. Because the ripple effect. Even if half of this is true, how much of like that lack of empathy, how much of that uncontrollable anger, uncontrollable anger, uncontrollable aggression, like how much of that is, is being promoted because of lead toxicity? Yeah. I, I don't know, but. Why wouldn't we look at that and have it constantly tested? Again, the test is not expensive. It's not, it's $9 apparently. And again, so we want to talk about well, why, why aren't like, well, getting rid of lead bullets. Well, the police budget then has to factor in switching from lead to copper. That's more expensive. They don't want to take away from their money. The cons kind of outweigh the pros of keeping it, though. Yeah. And Amy Crawford is obviously not the only police officer to be exposed to such high levels of lead. And as I was scrolling through Twitter to see if anybody was talking about lead ammunition as we advocate for gun reform, I found a memorial for Sergeant Thomas Christopher Kelly, who died at the age of 35 in 1989. And this is in our sources. The page states, quote, Sergeant Thomas Kelly died as a result of respiratory failure as a result of prolonged exposure to lead and toxic gases in the department shooting range. Sergeant Kelly served as the range officer at the time of his death, end quote. And when I saw the respiratory failure, I we haven't gotten to this yet, but I think we might have to get to it maybe in the lead-blooded American episode, but there are links between people with increased COVID symptoms and elevated lead levels. To Sergeant Kelly and his family, how is that fair? He was doing his job being the department's shooting range mm-hmm. officer and it killed him. Yeah, what would have seemed like a safe, you know, position to have as Safer, a police officer. Safer, yeah. yeah. I'm not in the line of duty. Uh, yeah, probably a seemingly day-to-day good job. And then also, he took that home to his family. Yeah. So what I'm finding is the more that we peel back these layers of the onion, as we expose lead exposure in America, is that it's not that the danger isn't there, and it's not that the alternatives to using lead aren't there. They just aren't publicized as much as you would hope for something that is, has been known to be toxic for over 2,000 years. And it's not just that these stories aren't clickbaity enough. There's a lot of money being dished out to keep lead-free ammunition out of the picture and out of the public discussion. Peoples goes on to report, quote, The National Defense Authorization Act signed into law in November of 2015 by President Barack Obama includes several NRA-backed provisions, including one that prohibits the EPA from banning lead ammunition. Under the Toxic Substances Control Act, the EPA confirmed that the TSCA reform bill passed earlier this year, meaning 2017, 
would not alter that lack of authority, end quote. If it's true that lead is this toxic, well, why, why would they allow it to exist? Well, the NRA knows that they're not going to sell as much ammunition if it's not as cheap as the copper ammunition. It's that simple. It's profits over people. People, yeah. people goes on to say, quote, the industry appears to actively lobby on the issue at the state level as well. The NSSF's spending in California, for example, spiked to more than 350000 in 2013, according to data from the National Institute of Money and State Politics, while consistently staying below 50000 during preceding and subsequent years. That same year, a coalition of gun rights groups formed the Hunt for Truth Association to, quote, debunk the myths and information about lead ammunition, end quote. We got to look at the National Institute of Money and State Politics. That's for sure, because if we want to find things on the rise, all we got to do is where the money is being pushed. Right. All I could think about at this point was, I wonder if there were groups during the time that the cigarette ban was enacted that were acting like the doctors from the 1950s talking about all the amazing benefits of smoking. And we're going to get to this and uh, Michael Huckabee and his little stint of talking about all the benefits of lead poisoning. But that's for another episode because that's, uh, again, a part of the onion that's that's too deep to discuss right now. But it's not just this PR spin of the benefits of something completely toxic. There's the good old-fashioned bullying that, you know, is deep in American society. Quote, a roundtable discussion on the transition from lead to copper ammunition was organized in August 2017 in Minnesota. He noted that he had invited a representative from Hornady, which is a manufacturer, but I just, it looks like horny, Hornady, to share information on the company's new line of non-lead bullets. And the representative agreed to attend. However, Henderson recalled hearing from him a few days before the meeting that, quote, he called and apologized because one of his superiors told him he would be fired if he showed up at our meeting, end quote, said Henderson. The company did not respond to a request uh, for comment on their GMX rifle ammunition or that meeting that their representative was supposed to attend. And now here's the big takeaway from this article that I really hope listeners will sit with and think about after this episode is over. Quote, the defense strategies from battling back legislation to interjecting questions over the science to framing the issues as a threat to the Second Amendment appeared familiar to David Rosner, co-director of the Center for the History and Ethics of Public Health at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health. Rosner says, quote, so many of these tactics look just like what other portions of the lead industry did to confuse us about lead paint pipes and smelters. You raise doubt about the validity of the science and say, we just need so much more information, said Rosner. Quote, after that, the industry just said the information gathered wasn't good enough because there are too many confounding factors and too many sources to blame our product, end quote. And remember what I said about the good old tobacco industry earlier in the episode and the evidence in previous episodes about gasoline manufacturers knowingly misleading the public regarding the dangers of lead exposure. Like if we're not making those connections yet, just sit with it for a little bit. Part of the playbook is to make you not make these connections. Yes, to make you believe 
I know you said you didn't take this class with Larry May, but his pop culture and politics class was mind blowing. But he sure. talks about this, that it's there's a cycle of you believe experts and then we fall into this rut of we don't trust anyone. We don't experts don't know what they're talking about. I know about this company. The NRA knows better. The gasoline manufacturers. Why would they want to mislead us? What? What? Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't they want to mislead? like this idea that they care about you? And not the the scientist who's in like $350,000 of student debt just to advocate for the things that they want to advocate for. But this gasoline CEO who gives zero fucks about you, he's really, he really cares about you. Yeah. Or this politician who's getting paid by these other lobbyists Think to about their, COVID. Why would they hurt their legacy like this? Yeah. Because they don't uh, give a fuck. They don't care. Yeah. They're buying a legacy. That's their legacy. It's a new boat. <laughs> feel like the playbook's finally being exposed and so we can you know start being more media literate to these clear red flags like this person said they try to confuse you and it happened like oh well we got rid of lead paint how long did that take it took 60 years for us to find any ban of leaded gasoline and they knew how poisonous it was from the get-go and you're gonna tell me they don't fucking know how poisonous lead is in ammunition yeah and that we're not talking about these huge crime spikes and the anger and the side effects in children. Who And again, this marketing towards kids is just, which we're going to get to. So again, Lynn People's article goes on to say, quote, this playbook perhaps drafted by lead manufacturers in the early 20th century seems to have been revised and expanded over the decades by other industries that too have been forced on the defensive. Internal tobacco industry documents, for example, revealed how companies purposefully confused the public by manufacturing controversy, quote, spread doubt over strong scientific evidence and the public won't know what to believe, one document advised. For decades, the industry continued to argue that there was no proof that cigarette smoking caused harm and the science purporting such hazards was shoddy and incomplete. They cherry-picked favorable studies and funded their own research to dispute links. The deceit and denial successfully delayed regulations, end quote. We talked about how the gasoline companies did their own studies and bought that one researcher his own place and to do these studies and to only study this so it looks good. Like, did they do a study? Yes. But is it misleading by not studying the people who are actually touching and exposed to the toxic substance. Yeah, the meta-analysis should demonstrate that if there's all of this energy going into refuting one tiny aspect or a specific aspect or aspects of a study, why is that happening? Why why is it targeted? Why are you targeting just that? I think that says something. At least elicits more examination. But I yeah. think I mean if anyone's doing that, then what are you hiding? Like, what? why are you worried about that part of the study being true? Because mm-hmm. probably because probably it is true. Yeah. And so here we go. As far as that playbook, we got it. The people are paying attention to this scientific data. And again, tobacco, COVID, lead, it's every industry. They're all sharing the same playbook. And they've all been able to make a touchdown using the same playbook for literally like now hundreds of years. And I'm sure this playbook comes from before then, obviously, because we got the Industrial Revolution and the same conspiracy shit was with with smelting during the Industrial Revolution. Like, this is a playbook that has been around. 
but that playbook gets exposed. So let's, let's get smarter about this as a society. Like I said, I believe people are inherently good. I believe a lot of people just don't see the connection. They don't know how it affects them personally, but it does. And the crisis we're in now, the fall of the U.S. empire, we really need to wake up. And so there you are. It's profit over people. It's always been profit over people. And they will convince us that it's not about profit, but what's best for you. And that's pretty fucking scary. And that marketing that's pro-lead ammunition, well, it's increasing popularity among women and children. I've seen a lot of glorification of children and firearms on social media recently, and it's absolutely shocking how normalized it's been. And Lynn Peoples shares some statistics on that. Quote, between 2001 and 2013, the number of women target shooters rose from 3.3 million to 5.4 million, according to the NSSF. Meanwhile, the firearms industry has targeted children in an effort to ensure the future of shooting sports. According to 2013 analysis by the New York Times and a 2016 study by the Violence Policy Center, some ranges even offer birthday packages, end quote. Who's grooming who? I am just learning about that now, and that is so frightening. I really wonder what those, one thing, what that that package looks like, what the marketing Mm -hmm. looks like, and I wonder if there's a connection with the NRA. Like, so did someone at a lobbying group? Oh, yeah say we need to put together some materials for gun ranges to to then offer the link between ammunition manufacturers and the nra too is something that we have to get to because there's there's actual money numbers you can see yeah and again let that sink in between 2001 and 2013 what i find most sickening about this is columbine happened in 1999 and Gun and ammunition companies decided, you know what's a great idea? Let's market to kids more and expose them to more lead because we know those numbers are going to drop and we have to spin this. We have to use our PR to make ammunition the good guy. There's only a two-year difference. They had to figure out how to boost their sales. This is a great example in PR about how the thing that you're looking at isn't the thing that you're looking at. So mm-hmm. like they've created this, the narrative, I'm seeing the good guy with the gun narrative. Mm-hmm. So we wanna have Columbine happened. There was mm-hmm. an increase in school shootings. There's a horrible, horrific massacre. The narrative that I'm seeing is we need more good guys with a gun. Mm-hmm. So then when I engage that narrative, I'm trying to convince someone that that is not true if everyone has guns yada yada well there's gun training like there's all of this nuance between that fight but the Mm -hmm. reality of what's happening is it's really about gun manufacturers wanting more dollars yes so they're getting us to fight over this like these identity politics these rhetorical arguments of like strength and safety and freedoms that's what they're showing us but that's Mm -hmm. not what's happening that's not the Mm -hmm. real story the real story is we just want a better quarter than we had last quarter yeah now call me a radical thinker but i'm gonna go out on a limb too and theorize that the constant defunding of education and redirecting that money into industries that increase lead exposure isn't the best way for us to get rid of the seeing the effects of lead in our society It's as though some people 
are out there who want more control over the general public. And using fear as a means of ignoring common sense choices in this country. No one would ever do that. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> in this article from Lynn Peoples, Brown goes on to say, quote, for a lot of people, the only exposure they get around this issue is from groups saying basically that the science is all junk. So it's challenging to come back and present research to a group that's been told this research is no good, end quote. And we saw how effective that was with COVID. Shockingly effective. Because people are focused on research. No one wants to hear about research. They want to, when they're, when the real issue is, got, it's dressed up as research, but the real issue is safety. The real issue is personal identity. The real issue is personal strength and cultural endurance or something. To be critical of that approach, the raw analysis is not what sways people. And also Clearly. with COVID, the spin of using facts to mislead is for sure is so just just evil. There's not enough research out there. There's not enough information. Yeah, you're fucking right. It's a goddamn new virus. Is that saying that taking the precautions of previous similar pandemics isn't the best option or from what we learned from the past ones and how we can re-steer this ship. There's not enough evidence. There's not enough this. There's not enough that. And to use that for people to interpret that they can't trust scientists, that it's their playbook. We yeah. see that's the fucking playbook, people. Now that we have the playbook in front of us, I hope that we as a society can share that information with people in a manner that our anger doesn't come out. <laughs> Because again, it's not easy to get the mass majority of people to see just how detrimental certain issues are. And if you have your eyes open to the realities of lead exposure, you can really see just how these ripple effects are being seen and felt in our society. But I'm starting to see some momentum in people taking lead exposure seriously. And I hope that we are doing our part in keeping that momentum going by sharing this information with our listeners, who I hope in turn share this information with their loved ones. So tune in next week for another episode of United States of Lead. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Want to know more about this subject? Consider making a donation on Patreon, where you can unlock extended video episodes and bonus content like deep dives and exclusive interviews. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.